Welcome to the Candid Divorce Lawyer Podcast, brought to you by Trithowans. Family law can be an emotional roller coaster, a mix of sadness, anger, hope, and worry. The Candid Divorce Lawyer explores topics from marriage to divorce and everything in between. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is for informational purposes only. If you're looking for legal advice, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us via the details in our bio. Hello, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Candid Divorce Lawyer. This episode is part of the Good Divorce Week series. I'm Laura Bell and I'm joined by Emma Wilders-Pratt. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of arbitration and private FDRs. Both of those are methods of dispute resolution, which essentially are methods of reaching agreement outside of court. Now, as legal practitioners, we're told, we know firsthand that the court system is failing our clients, it's crumbling around us. And so really, we need to look at other options apart from the court process when we're advising our clients it's perhaps inevitable that there are going to be clients where it's difficult for them to reach an agreement or a settlement, and they will require some level of judicial intervention or some direction. And this is where arbitration and private FDRs come into play. These processes would allow for a third party to come in and make decisions on their behalf without having to formally enter into a court arena. I would say, Emma, whether you agree with me, that they probably shouldn't be the first port of call for our clients because the processes do take away a level of autonomy for the clients because they don't have control over the final outcome. I agree, Laura, absolutely. When we're looking at arbitration and private FDRs, we're looking at that for cases where the clients really can't consider any other options. Yeah. There are podcasts available that discuss these other options. And those other options include agreeing terms of financial settlement out of court. One of the podcasts available is adopting the collaborative approach, for example. I think it might be helpful just to explain what the court process is. I know we're we're referencing the court process. Yeah. Let's look at this if couples can't determine the financial aspects of the marriage. What I mean by that is if couples aren't able to decide how to divide the matrimonial assets, they may need a judge to help them just just to decide that. Mm -hmm. In order to get that judicial assistance, one of the parties has to make an application to the court for what's known as financial remedies application. What will happen is the court then produce a timetable. And within that timetable, they will list the case for an initial directions hearing, whereby they will decide what directions are required to move the case forward. There'd then be a second hearing known as an FDR. That's a hearing whereby the parties with their representatives' assistance put forward what they think is their proposed settlement and the judge encourages them to find a solution at that hearing and gives an indication as to what they think is appropriate. If they can't settle at that hearing, then the case moves on to a final hearing. That final hearing, both parties have to give evidence in support of what they're saying, and that's oral evidence where they're being examined by barristers and cross-examined by barristers. And then ultimately what happens at the end is if the judge listens to all that evidence and then he or she will then determine what will happen to the finances and I think that's that's important for couples to be aware of, because ultimately they will be going through a court process that will take about a year. 
the costs mm. can be quite significant because they will be needing a high level of assistance from their solicitors and their barristers. And then ultimately a judge who, who they've never met before will determine what's going to happen to their assets that they've worked hard for a number of years to accrue. So that's quite a draconian way to sort out the matrimonial assets. And as you've highlighted, Laura, the difficulty with that court process is the courts just can't cope with the volume of applications. Mm. You and I have noticed that we often have cases whereby the judges have too many cases in their list, so they just don't have the time to prepare. Or the judges are general district judges, so they don't necessarily have the expertise to assist mm. in matrimonial finance cases. They may have a background of civil, for example, which is very different to matrimonial finances. Or they may just not have a judge available on the day. We both experienced it where we've had clients, you know, ready for, for a hearing. They've paid the barrister's fee that always has to be paid in advance. Mm. We get to the court day and we're told there's no judge available. And yeah, not only it's devastating emotionally and financially. So yeah. that's why, as you've highlighted, we've got other options. And I think even when you've got an, a, an agreement between the parties, you're filing some sort of directions order. The court still can't even cope with that. And they're still taking months and months to come back with that order for you to then act on. So, you know, you've, there's no hope, really. <laughs> even when you've got an agreement, the court take ages and ages. And no. when you're in, in the process and there is that impasse, you're just stuck in, a, in an impossible situation, really. I agree. So, Laura, I, I wonder if it'd be helpful if you could explain what arbitration is. What, How does that differ from the court process? So it's essentially a process where issues can be determined outside of court but in a binding and still formal setting. So you're able to pick your arbitrator, which is a, a really good positive point about arbitration. You know that the person you're picking as your arbitrator is going to have experience in that particular area of the issues that you're looking to determine. Arbitration can, can deal with either your financial settlement or it can also look to the arrangements for the children. And so the issues that would usually present themselves within the formal court process where you're looking at delay and cost and sometimes unwanted press attention all of those points can kind of be neutralized by the arbitration process and I think that's that's really helpful to clients mm -hmm. when it comes to the uh, the process once you've agreed that arbitration is the right way forward for you and I should say that both of you need to be in agreement to this way forward it is still a voluntary process once you've agreed that arbitration is right then you would enter into an arbitration document an agreement which confirms that this is going to be the way forward so essentially you're committing yourself to that process it sets out what you want the arbitrator to determine and that document also allows you to be quite creative with the process as well it puts you in control a little bit more where you can then think about how do we want to deal with this Usually an arbitration, whether in financial matters or with children, it does tend to mirror the formal court process, mm -hmm. but you can streamline that. So, for example, within a financial arbitration, you would still need to go through the process of having financial disclosure, no getting around that. But what you can consider is, well, do we need to go to the extent of completing full Form Z? Do we just need to prepare a schedule instead and have supporting documents to that? Do we need to include narrative information within the for me? And it really does allow you to cut down that process and, and deal with what you absolutely need to. So it's more bespoke. Absolutely. 
yeah yeah absolutely and that's you know one of the, the huge positive points for it the arbitrator ultimately is going to have the same role as what a judge would do in a court setting where they're going to weigh up the evidence and they will then deliver an arbitration award and it's for the parties then to file that with the court to make it a legally binding agreement essentially and presumably if it's arbitration that you are all in control of you can then control the timetable so you can set down a hearing when your when your barristers are available when you're available rather yeah. than being dictated to Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of my experiences of my most recent arbitration is it was children matter and we did it start to finish within six months, you know, and that is appointing the arbitrator, gathering your evidence, preparing statements, having two hearings, appointing an expert, getting expert evidence and getting the final determination. So six months compared to probably 12 months plus if you're in the the court process. So especially if you've got deadlines coming up, Mm-hmm. where you know the house needs to be sold soon or if there's an issue relating to children's schooling and their the school terms coming up then you really can look at that to a, as a way to fast track through the process so okay. actually I just spe- speaking about the schooling when it comes to children in arbitration it can be slightly more complex because of course the issues surrounding children can be more complex there may be well be safety and welfare concerns where one parent doesn't think the other parent is behaving in the right way there might be allegations there might be allegations of parental alienation controlling coercive behavior and that really needs to be given appropriate weight as to whether arbitration is the the right way forward i would say that those complex issues don't necessarily prohibit arbitration but it can mm-hmm. make it really difficult because if you can't even agree those issues from the off what you're asking the, the arbitrator to determine well it may well be a non-starter there. And of course, children matters also introduce potential third parties like children's services where they're safeguarding concerns. And that ultimately would require court-ordered sanctions for that to be dealt with. And so arbitration may not be suitable in that arena. I suppose that's with everything. It, it, it's options, isn't it? And it's just tailoring the option. It's the options. right option for the client. Yeah, yeah. and you know, okay. certainly for issues like schooling, relocation whether internally externally out of the country general child arrangements I think it's a really really super option for the parents okay great and tell me how does that compare to a private FDR so private FDR is a bit different in that you would start the court process which as I described previously begins with you know an initial directions hearing Mm -hmm. but what you do with a private FDR is rather than have a normal FDR in the court process you agree to take yourself out of that court process is for the purposes of an FDR and have a private FDR. So it's a bit like whether you continue on the NHS route or have a, a private route. With a private FDR, what happens is rather than the court listing an FDR on a list with a series of other FDRs in the public forum, you agree to instruct your own judge, who's usually a barrister, mm-hmm. that you and your spouse agree the identity of, which is really important in itself because you can make sure that barrister is knowledgeable in, in the areas of matrimonial finance that you need him or her to be. Mm-hmm. And then you agree where the FDR is going to take place. So rather than being in a court forum in the old days, that would be sitting in a courtroom waiting for the judge to hear you or post-pandemic sitting in a series of conference rooms via Teams. Instead of all of that, we would probably agree to go to a chambers, a barrister's chambers, Mm -hmm. where the private FDR would be conducted. 
Now, just to compare the two in the court process, you are given an hour of that judge's time to go through the FDR hearing. In a private FDR, you have as lo- you have the judge for the day, basically. Mm-hmm. The judge is there, in my experience, it's much more civilized, much more calm. You and your spouse will be sitting in separate rooms, tea and coffees provided, all those little things which sound de minimis, but actually really important on the day. And you will go before the judge as many times as you need to, to talk about your respective positions and get different indications from the judge. So it might be that the judge gives an overall indication and we go off and have a chat, we negotiate, and then we might get stuck on a point. So we can go back before the judge and get the judge's digital help. So that's much more powerful and constructive in my experience than being in a courtroom. You've got an hour of the judge's time, hoping the judge has read the papers versus a judge that you've, that's been briefed, that understands and can devote his or her time for the day. Mm. It's it's a huge point, isn't it? I think for clients just to have that level of comfort, because regardless of whatever the issues are that you're going to court over, there's still the worry of, am I going to get parked okay at court? Am mm-hmm. I am I going to get a waiting room when I'm at court? Is there a vending machine? Is there a cafe open? Is there going to be someone with me? It's all oh, there's so many mm-hmm. unknowns that come with the court, and if you can try and again neutralize all of those worries then that's so helpful and the clients are in a much better space and prepared for their hearing ahead. I agree. I mean, it's mm. such a stressful time anyway. And what I also think is important is this is the one and only opportunity really for the clients mm. to try to retain control of the process and find a solution that's going to feel comfortable with. Nobody's going to be happy being given a final order that they have no control over. Mm. So this puts them in control. Now in the court process, they have an hour of the judge's time to help mm. them find a solution. And of course, in the background throughout the whole of the court process, respective solicitors will try to help them negotiate a settlement. But it's quite powerful being in the same building with your representatives there championing you and a judge giving you helpful indication for you to try to find to reach a settlement. So that's why I think it works and works really well. I'll give you an example. I think it's always helpful. I had a case whereby it had been rumbling on for a very long time. We were trying to negotiate, you know, directly via solicitors for about a year, got nowhere, issued proceedings. Another year later, because of various directions hearings being adjourned because of judicial availability, we had an FDR listed and we agreed with the other side that we should have a private FDR. We went to uh, judges' chambers. We'd pick the judge and we were in chambers from, I think we got there at nine. We left at seven in the evening, but we left with a settlement. Yes, mm. it was a hard day, but I can guarantee that if we'd had an hour of a judge's time in the normal court process, we wouldn't have settled. And then we yeah. would have had to go to a final hearing. And my client was elated and so relieved to have a settlement. It wasn't a settlement he necessarily was thought was brilliant nor did his wife but it was a settlement that they were comfortable with and they knew they had that, that final solution yeah, that's there. fantastic that so, really yeah. is good well done so I think we can see that the benefits of those processes really do give the the, the client a much more comfortable experience it gives them probably the best chance of reaching a settlement um, in a swift manner and probably in the most cost-effective manner as well there it's undoubtedly going to carry cost to be appointing a judicial figure an arbitrator or a private judge yes we can't say it's the cheapest option therefore it that's what comes with the part of the processes but i think really the focus needs to be upon the value for money that you get with that that cost and that level of comfort that the processes provide that you just, just don't get and I, I know on many occasions i've had clients leaving the court 
court process, the courtroom, very dissatisfied because they've spent huge amounts of money to be told that a judge isn't available or the judge only has half an hour to see them on that particular day. So I think, yes, it does have that cost attached, but it's worth it, in my opinion. I agree entirely. I think the emotional the emotions of the court process in itself can be so very stressful and can really damage the relationship um, of mm. the, the clients moving, you know, the client's relationship with the spouse moving forward. Mm. And as you know, you and I were, were huge advocates in trying to help foster a positive post-separation relationship for the benefit of the children of the family, because invariably there will be. So if we can, we can save that relationship and make sure it's not fractured, then, you know, that, that, that in itself is priceless. Absolutely. So I think if that spikes your interest in arbitration and private FDRs, then then please do come and see us. I think getting an early intervention, an early analysis of your case is really important for us to be able to assess and make recommendations to you in terms of which is the right process for you. So we would be delighted to help. Absolutely. There are lots of options out there. So let us help you tailor and make a bespoke solution for you. Well, thank you very much for listening today. I hope you join us again soon for another episode of The Candid Divorce Lawyer. Thank you for listening to The Candid Divorce Lawyer podcast, brought to you by Trithowans. To hear more from us, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow our Instagram page at Candid Divorce Lawyer. This podcast does not constitute legal advice and is for informational purposes only. If you're looking for legal advice, please do not hesitate to get in touch with us via the details in our bio. 